1: What is going on, Diesel Nation? We're excited to have you guys with us today on the Diesel Podcast. If you're watching this on YouTube and aren't subscribed, make sure and click the subscribe button. Turn on notifications, like, comment. Let us know what you think about the episode. If there's any suggestions you have for a topic or a guest, we're always checking YouTube. Love to be, love to get your guys's feedback and then also be able to incorporate that into future episodes um, or to ask guest questions. If it's you know something you want to know about a particular truck or part or you know something going on in the industry, we'd love to be able to do that. On today's episode, I'm going to be chatting with Ethan from WP Developments and asking him the question: Is there one transmission to rule them all when it comes to holding power, performance, options? and uh, really reliability, you know, as well with these higher power numbers. So I'm looking forward to his answer and then also understanding why, if there is one that, that does kind of lead the pack, you know, what what allows it to do it? So it's gonna be a great chat. Really looking forward to it. Before we get to it though, I wanna remind you guys, our friends over at Kershaw Knives have a 20% off code for you. Use code 20diesel at kershaw.kaiusa.com. You get 20% off site-wide. They've got a ton of choices, different options. If you need something for, you know, EDC or hunting, fishing, um, something around the job site, something to just throw in a toolbox, something to work hard, they've definitely got you covered with a bunch of choices to meet any budget. So if you're in the market, head on over, check it out. save saves money. All right, let's get to today's episode with Ethan from WP Developments and asking the question, is there one transmission to rule them all when it comes to holding power, going fast, and then being reliable while it's being done? Ethan, welcome back to the diesel podcast. I uh, had a blast chatting with you before about 68 fees, all the cool things you guys are working on. And then uh, we're chatting a little bit, you know, before the podcast, and you're like, hey, we got some other really cool stuff for racing and Turbo 448 RE stuff. So I, uh, I'm definitely looking forward to learning more and seeing what you guys got cooking there.
0: Absolutely. man! Thanks for having us back. We love the talk about transmissions every day
1: (laughs) well one of the things you know i think of racing is just the the power and the levels that they keep reaching is insane and the next thing i think about is okay what's putting it to the ground so i wanted to ask you you know if you could give some of our listeners like a background on like the 48 re and how it has withstood up to higher power levels but why some guys are running turbo 400s what that gives them and then, uh, you know, some things that you guys are working on to be able to bridge the gap between both or, um, you know, offer them solutions for one or the other.
0: Yeah, sure. Um, I can't really remember what year it was. I think it was like 2015. We had some, uh, we had an encounter with uh John Gilbert owner of stainless diesel. Uh, he has a pro street truck. It was really when the pro street like started to kick off, um, like with the common rail stuff, uh, And we, uh, got into his transmission program. Um, and he really tested our ability, like to the wits end, you know, we, we had done some high horsepower stuff and had a really good setup, but, uh, when we go from like, say like 1200 horsepower back then was huge to what he was doing was close to 16 to 1700, but it was at 5,400 pounds. Um. We started seeing the weak links. Uh, every day, we, you know, went back to the drawing board and found little things to help us progress. Um, you know, like fast back then was, you know, mid fives. Uh, so we've definitely came a long ways. Um, you know, we had we had a data acquisition on every single circuit, and that's how I learned what I needed to do to make things better. Like, you know, hey, is this, is this clutch coming on fast enough? Is it taking too long? Do I need to open this orifice? Do I need to slow it down? And so when we had all that data that I could sit there and study after every pass, I mean, we went to every race with uh, the stainless diesel crew um, before I started piloting uh, the truck we built. You know, I, it was just purely, like that was all I concentrated on was just transmissions uh, and did the data thing. And it helped us, Tremendously progress into what we are now. Um, finding out, you know, like staging wise, a lot of people burn down a converter during staging. So we really concentrated on that. You know, we wanted to keep the biggest failure. I, in, in my opinion, of the forty-seven, forty-eight in the race application is in the torque converter. Uh, we can all pretty much get them to hold, like with the hard parts that are available to you know us nowadays um, Sonics with all their shafts, like we swear by their shafts. Um, they're actually one of our sponsors for our race program. And we test a lot of their stuff for them. Um, it was the converters that we really had to look into. And there was guys going out making two passes and switching out converters. So I studied that, you know, while I was sleeping even. <laughs> and, uh, we got to the point where, um, you know, he had, he had schooled up against some other people that were having troubles we knew prior to, and he would sit there on the, on the, on the limiter for uh, 20, 30 seconds, you know, and I'm like, oh gosh. And he'd get back to the pits and I put my hand on the pan and, you know, it was just, you could, you could leave your hand on the pan. So we had a really, really good idea of what we needed for pressure wise. Um, you know, how do we keep this lockup clutch from dragging? Um, we took that on to, I think it was 2018. Um, he was at that 2,500 horsepower mark, and we came to some case limitations. So the, um, the actual wood roller race was starting to rip out of the cases at that point. So, you know, it wasn't super common. He was one of the first four-wheel drive turbo 400s. Um, he took his transmission for that. It was a, it was a huge one and I tell the story to a lot of my friends that are in the transmission building and said, "No, nah, I wasn't really excited to open my arms to the And they're like, then why not? You know, it's a, it's a really simple trans and, you know, it's, it's a proven platform. And I was like, well, that's the thing. I said, it's been out for so long. You know, how much is there really to study and update? I feel like I could just open a recipe book and, you know, I my mean, KFCs, <laughs> a recipe. and it's not the case like there was so much more and i think it was you know the generation gap of the older generations were in the turbo 400s They're super smart people had one of the smartest turbo 400 power power glide guys um, that made like the first bill a trans break foul bodies and stuff local tunes and steve griner um, and um so we have like a lot of that stuff that progressed the turbo 400 and the power glide but there's it was still lacking of a lot of things the lockup units were kind of newer i mean they weren't new but they weren't what they are now so um we we had no idea like where do you set charge pressure what is charge pressure what why are we monitoring this you know and so I, i remember like the first pass we're like man you know it's 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 just about as fast as where, where we were, but I feel like it's slipping through the converter, you know? And so we started, like, digging into data logs, which I love data, you know? Anything about transmissions, I, I can put a port on every single clutch circuit, I do it. And if it takes me to, you know, machine it in our, our uh, mill or something to channel it to a port to be able to put some type of pressure port in there, we absolutely do. Because we can't learn anything without that data and it's not necessarily like we're looking for a pressure but maybe like a pressure rise at the time of when i push the button how long is it taking to get there and then from that point you know how how long is it taking to actually make the movement in the chassis and we can actually adjust that when you're dealing with you know uh, low five seconds to high four seconds uh, in an eighth mile pass every half a second is huge so dialing those things into like you know tenths of a second um was super super important and we can only do that with our data acquisition so the um the turbo 400 is a super big learning curve. Um, it's an amazing unit um there's there's still things that i I do feel like can progress with the turbo 400. Um, we did some really crazy stuff with lock-up circuitry in it i believe we're still one of the only ones that has a uh, Accumulated lockup circuit. So when we used a five disc sun uh, lockup locked and when it was locked, it was only 0.2 seconds from actual coming And you could watch it on the shock travel sensors and G meter. And when Johnny told us that it was, it was, it felt like he got smacked in the back of the head with a two by four. When we looked at the data, it sure did. It was amazing. <laughs> I was like, holy cow. And um, you know it wasn't till like a couple of years ago you know he had a vision of going into a pro and uh you know he worked at that and worked at that and so you know that was always on our minds you know hey we're going to go into a lighter chassis same type of trans you know see what we could upgrade well we knew that that lockup up circuit itself um in a car that weighed you know say 2500 pounds would be catastrophic if it hit that hard so I started engineering like a different lockup circuitry and we started testing it in the truck. And um, luckily, my first try, uh, we hit it right on the head. Um, When we would hit the lockup on the converter, it would take about three quarters of a second from actual versus commanded. And, you know, on our data, we would watch um, RPM drop. So like. Most of the time you watch us racers, we want to be like way up in that RPM and fat dumb happy RPM because if we get down around that 3,800 RPM, that's peak power. Peak power is when you see uh, videos like Sean Baco where your know, motor exits the frame rate. Um We don't want that. That's, that's where it makes um, all of its oomph. So we try to keep it right above that, You know, maybe bring it down to 4,500, back up to 5,500, and staying within like a thousand RPM gap. As to where when we didn't have an accumulated walkup, it would drop close to like fourteen to 1,600 RPMs uh, on the shift, which brought us down into that danger zone. And um, we definitely didn't want that. It's, it's not good on the motor and it definitely wasn't good on the chassis watching it. And um, so when we did it, we ended up doing a three quarters of a second RPM slope instead of a straight drop down. And it only dropped 600 RPM because it slowly engaged that clutch and brought it back up. Um, and so we did that mechanically instead of having to pulse within say like a, a lockup solenoid which we had as a backup in that circuit. I didn't make it to where we could, you know, pulse um, voltages and certain groups. Uh, that would like regulate on off on off and like bleed fluid and slow to create you know it to block up slower. So we definitely have done a lot of crazy one-off stuff and I, I enjoy it so much. It takes so much time, but it's so much fun. Um, you know, I'll go for days after hours and just you know start whittling on brand new billet pieces, you know, and and making it something. So it's it's super cool. Um, the The turbine four hundred is super common in in you know two thousand horsepower up range. Um, I've always had it in my head that we can make you know the forty seven forty eight be that. We still are our race program ourselves. We still are in that forty seven forty eight re range right now. Um, we do have plans to go sixty eight for a couple races just to prove a point on it, um, and then we'll have our we'll have another t- our test truck test truck that will uh, stay with the sixty eight all season, and it will be at the ODSS races this year. So that'll be super cool. One of our staff members will, will probably pilot that one.
1: Well, there's <clears throat> there's so many trucks nowadays that can hit two thousand plus horsepower, uh-huh. and I and I imagine in that you know, they get to that point where they've got to decide, am I going to stick with the 48 RE or, or go the turbo 400 route? What's the biggest benefit that you get by going with the turbo 400? Is it reliability? Um, is it more passes? Is it things that you can control or, or, you know, like the RPM drop you, that you were mentioning, what are the big benefits to going that route?
0: The biggest benefit that was the persuading factor, I think for most of us early in the stages um, was the converter life? So the converter life of the forty-seven, forty-eight. We personally didn't fight that. Um, we had some case limitations, but I can tell you that most of the racers did. And so their big persuasion was uh, that that turbo four hundred lockup circuitry. Uh, it gets kind of confusing if you don't know how like a torque converter works, but um, it adds another passage into the lockup circuit. And that lockup clutch is completely separated from anything basically in the torque converter. As to where a 4748RE, it has some valves and it shuttles fluid to keep that lockup piston off during spool up or unlocked conditions. And then what it does is it dumps the fluid behind it and presses that plate and allows it to lock up. Um, So imagine during spool up, your balance of your oils holding off on the clutch versus what's coming into your torque converter and being multiplied with the heat expansion, it starts becoming worse and worse and worse. So it starts to drag your lockup clutch on during spooling and staging. Um, and as you know, if you drag a clutch that's not meant to be on, it builds heat and it also takes material off and you know bad things happen. Um, so the big push was, know hey we need uh what they call a captive clutch um, which is a three circuit style torque converter Um, that's we can sit on that torque converter for a minute straight and all we do is smoke the fluid we don't try to drag a lock up clutch um you know that was the huge benefit of the turbo 400. ours was wanting the gear ratio so you can you can put about any gear ratio you want in a turbo 400. So like your first, second gear ratio can be completely changed however you want it. If you want a big jump from first to second, you want what they call a close ratio from first to second. And um, gear ratio is a huge thing um, with the diesel torque. So getting the availability to change the ratios was was a big thing on top of... Um, you know, it was proven. Like you see these pro mods; they claim you know five thousand horsepower pro mods. They go out there, they you know they put a turbo four hundred in there for a season. They don't touch it, whatever you know. Um, and we we're like, well, you know, if they are able to do that, we should be able to do that. Um, and for the most part, I mean, they they are really really reliable transmissions. They're not cheap. Um, it's a completely custom. You know, from the back of the engine to the starter to the flex plate to the bell housing to, you know, buying just the unit it doesn't come with the bell housing. You know, then you got a torque converter that's anywhere from seven to ten thousand um, dollars. Then you have a custom billet transfer case that's another five thousand dollars. You know, it really adds up super quick. Um, it really it it prices them out. It prices most of the customers out of it honestly which sucks um because it is it is a great unit to have it's super simple it's uh, it's meant for what we're doing and the gear ratios are amazing um the forty seven forty eight is is getting there i mean it i feel like it already should have been there um for how old it is but it's uh you know, we haven't, we haven't been making 2000 horsepower for a whole long time. Um, you know, getting to that 15 to 1700 horsepower was like, holy cow, this is amazing. And I felt like every year we all gained some crazy amount of horsepower through the winter. You know, like I keep telling myself, you know, we can't go any faster. Like we're, (laughs) you know, at, at, as a diesel community, like we're, we're tapped out. Like what can we do, you know, and it seems like we all come together and, in the springtime, we all just, I don't know, just pull it out of our hat and make it happen. It's amazing. <laughs> um, you know, the gas guys, even nowadays, are like, that thing's a decent It's like, yeah. And they're like, man, I remember those things, you know, just used to blow smoke. And they were like, you know, two seconds behind us. And now we're kind of, we're like really worried. You know, we got Ryan Milliken out here setting, uh, you know, mile per hour records in, you know, 275X class, which is awesome. Um, you know, so we got people in the radio world, we kind of do the, uh, the no prep street stuff, uh, in our truck. And, uh, I feel like the diesel scene is definitely getting, uh, it's spotlight right now. And, and I feel like every year we're keeping, uh, we're keeping up, we're gaining traction. We're getting there to be the co- top competitors. And it's so awesome to see, because when we started it out, it wasn't like that. You know, we were trying to blow ourselves up with propane back then, um, <laughs> know which isn't even a thing anymore Uh, it's just it's all nitrous (laughs) um so yeah it's it's definitely cool to see like how we evolved um going from truck pulling to drag racing and seeing what we've done differently and you know even going back to when you know like levon and johnny were running triple turbos like we thought everybody thought that was the thing like that's that's what we need we need all that power and torque you know we need to get that thing good moving down the track and really it was the absolute opposite of what we needed we needed our turbos in a bottle and one turbo just to be there to keep you know the air circulation going in the right direction i mean we shoot so much nitrous in these things it's insane so learning our limitations of that has been really cool we spent as a diesel community, we've spent thousands of dollars
1: uh,
0: blowing up engines, trying to see what works. Uh, but it's got to where we are now, which is awesome.
1: For the guys that are out there that maybe aren't, that are not ready to go that Turbo 400 route, how or what kind of things can you do to a 48 to maybe bridge the gap for them right now till they are ready to invest that kind of money into this custom transmission, transfer case, bell housing starter, you know, everything else is there. Are, are there options for them? Like, cause it, it really interests me as I think of, you know, trying to go that fast. And if all the money you're spending on the engine, the injectors, the chassis, the body, the time, everything else you've really got to maximize, the budget and I, I think there's a lot of those guys out there that you know are looking for something they can you know use with their 48 now or or an idea or, or a kind of path to to uh, you know keep it in the truck and still go fast mm-hmm. so we have been working on a I call
0: it the Franken flight so I've been working on this thing for like God it's been like since 2018-19 era, um, and what I did basically was I made a 4748 re into a captive clutch so I took our biggest failure point uh, as a group and said okay what can you know as we progress and getting faster we need a lot of things in our torque converter area um something we call um, charge pressure which we can adjust charge pressure to, Uh, basically slow down the efficiency or take efficiency out of the torque converter so kind of like we would make the converter slip more per se to get out of the hole on slicker surfaces or something that wasn't prepped um, good enough or we wanted to leave harder and ease the power in we could we could watch charge pressure and so this frankenflight that i designed is a Three passage lockup uh converter feed and drain. So those are the three passages that we have. So it like feeds the stator, and then once it does its torque multiplication, you know, it drains back through. And when it drains back through, we take a pressure reading. The higher the pressure, the more efficient that that torque converter is. So the the more it's wanting to go. Um, the lower the pressure, the less efficient it is. So you would have to say if you're at Thousand RPMs and it's at five pounds. If you went to two thousand RPMs, it would gain to say thirty pounds. It's wanting to drive, um, so that charge pressure we play with a ton in the drag racing scene. Um, it was a big thing that the forty-seven forty-eight lacked of. And if you had a lockup style, now there was um, there was a non-lockup style out there that was floating around that had some charge pressure uh, dump valves and stuff like that to do the same thing, but you lose lockup. We didn't want to lose lockup. That's a huge deal for us. Um, You know, it's like from what our data shows, it's about 10% um, power loss. So you would have to add 10% more power to, to get the same um, like eighth mile time per se, because you would be throwing 10% of your power out the window. So you need to gain that back. Uh, You lose mile per hour and you gain it with power. Basically, Um, we didn't want to do that. Uh, We wanted to try to keep the lock up. So we designed that three style uh, converter and it's still like it's completely working. Um, The converter that we do have for that is working is way too tight. And everything's custom one off. And each time we have to try to change something, it takes eight to nine months. It's just, it's, it's kind of one of them projects where it's not priority on the list. It's, um, it's kind of, you know, your your customer base isn't really huge, which makes it super hard to devote time to the only reason I devoted as much time as I have is because I want it personally for myself, (laughs) um, just to prove that it can do it. And it can be up there with a the turbo 400. The 4748 re hard parts are amazingly big. Um, you know, they they are about double the size of the internals of a turbo 400. Um, you know, so I, it it definitely has the platform to do what we need it to do. It's just there's a lot of like just case machining, redesigning the front pump, the valve body area was crazy. I had to plug off ports, add new ports inside the case. Like it was every time somebody tells me something's impossible. Um, I definitely don't stop and I'll, I'll, I'll figure it out until it's done. And that was kind of what somebody had said to me who say, you can't make a, you can't do that. Like it's impossible to make a 4740 re a captive clutch. And I'm like sitting there brainstorming as they're telling me that, <laughs> okay. And uh, you know, um, I, I made it happen. I mean, it's, it's definitely a thing. I have some uh, spool test. I was trying to get it to come up um, with some nitrous in the last converter revision. And it just, it just stuck. It's like the, the staters um, is actually landed in the company that we're dealing with now that has a software that can actually scan it. And, it's called as, I think it's a cds or csd it's cds program so what they do is they scan like your converter and they actually flow it like in a software it's almost like solid works for uh, torque converters so it can tell you like how much pressure you know what should the stall rate be um what you know where's the Where's the efficiency going to be at when it is at its highest efficiency factor. It's super, super cool software. And I, I think there's about two people in the United States that have it from what I understand. Um, so happens. One of them is a friend of, a, of mine um, and they're, they're mapping out uh, a setup for us right now to be able to get it back in the truck, hopefully um, beginning early of this season and really get some data on this thing if we can get it to spool up we're we're on the road you know we're, we're ready to go um it's going to be that whole game of you know is hey is lockup happening too fast is it too is it too rough is the lockup clutch needing more pressure so it's so rate. it's so the lockup circuit is so out of the system that i could literally put say like regulated nitrous pressure and lock the converter up like that's how far away it is from anything in the torque converter. It's completely sealed off. No matter how long you sit on the torque converter, how much heat you build, it will never drag the lockup clutch unless it's closed and it has some sort of force to go through the input shaft and apply it. So it's super, super awesome. Um, it it has been a lot of money, a lot of failures, <laughs> and a lot of time but I do know that it is working. We fought pressure issues in the pump forever. Um, we finally got that figured out. It took a lot of pulling apart machining, putting back together, scrapping the barbs. Um, but we definitely did get that figured out. It was like we were trying to add another circuit to it and redirect fluid and say, you know, you add a, a bleed off on it. You know, it, it, you come to the fa- uh, fact of like, that pump was designed to do what it does. And now you're adding more things for it to do. We're running out of volume. So where can we take volume from? Where can we add volume? Like where can we take from and give to? So that balance of um, figuring that out was, was the challenge um, redirecting, redesigning like front pump assembly and valve body. Eh, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't terrible. Um, if I had a better machining background, I probably would have been a lot faster at it, but I I went through a couple uh, $300 end mills breaking off and stuff like that. <laughs> uh, you know, live and learn, but we definitely got it. Uh, I, it's sitting right beside my trans bench. I look at it every day just waiting for a torque converter. so can't wait but, to put it back in that thing.
1: What's really interesting to hear about the development and the process that you went through with the 48 and the Turbo 400 stuff and the ingenuity with it, is I see a ton of things you guys are doing with 68 RFEs, and that transmission has had its own evolution from it's great, you know, now Ram has a six-speed instead of a four-speed. It's awesome. Then it sucks. Then it can't hold power. Then it holds a little power, and, you know, the engine's always kind of outpacing what the transmission can do with it, and there's so many of those trucks that are on the road and so many people who, you know, even if they're just doing tuning, intake, towing heavy, they're putting strain on something that it seems like it's just built to handle whatever the factory rating is. Um, there isn't that big kind of leeway that you get, say, with like Ford transmissions or some of the Allison's out there where, you know, you, you can push them 150, 200 horsepower above what they're, um, you know, come from from the factory. So with the 68 stuff, you know, what are some cool things or new things that you guys are working on to be able to take that same ingenuity on the four speeds and the turbo 400 stuff to give these guys that uh, just need more capability out of their, their 68. um some things i can't
0: really talk about um that will be coming out very soon um i can say like kind of hinting towards some things that are coming out we do have a full-blown ratchet shifter um in our shop truck Um, i got that all set up uh three weeks ago i think we got you know, a, a precision rash, ratchet shifter made our own bracketry and stuff and got um, ratchet shifting set up in the truck for the 68 RFE. Um, we came to the fact that we aren't tuners. We want the trans to do something that we want when we want, and we can't change that as people like in our team. Um, so we're actually this week, we designed a lockup solenoid. So um, we have a lockup solenoid. We kind of released our prototype yesterday on social media. Um, the problem we're running into at full throttle, we're not getting 100% lockup. No matter what we're commanding it, it's um, still not wanting to do 100% like full locked shifts and stuff like that. Um, maybe it's a good thing. <laughs> we're about to find out because it, I promise you, it will go hundred percent lock up. It will not pulse with regardless of what the computer says, but what's really cool about what we, how we did it was, you know, I always want to make it like as tune free as possible. Right. So we don't want to have special tuning required to run this uh, modification. We want full control over it when we want control over it. So that being said, like, sure, we could have went in and interrupted the lockup circuit and made it, you had to lock it up if you wanted lock up every time it shifts. Right. But instead we designed it to where if you didn't want to flip your switch and have like, you know, a full lock shift all the way from, I mean, it will do it in first. Don't do it in first. Cause it will break everything. Um, but from say it's like second to sixth year, if you want a locked shift, it's hundred percent locked up. There's no questions to it. You can absolutely flip your switch and it will do it. If you're cruising through town with your kids and you want the factory ECM to lock it up, don't flip your switch. It'll operate as factory. Um, So that, I mean, it, what is it today? Wednesday. Uh, So we had the module done on Friday last week and we got it mounted to the valve body uh, late last night. And today it's, I think actually currently I hear it in the background running. (laughs) So it's getting ready to go out on a, on a test drive and have some full lock shifts Um, with that setup we have we have confirmed that it will do a full lock shift it just it it took some custom tuning um, because it was seeing things it didn't want to see in circuits so that helped us design what we needed to know to make sure that ECM doesn't know that it's actually got locked uh, converter when it's not asking for it so that took a little bit of time. So you got to have like a little bit of engineering with electronically, and then you got to know mechanically, like hydraulically, how are we going to do it? So it's, it's, if you don't know both of those things, it becomes very hard. You can be really good at electronics, but don't understand how fluid dynamics work, or you can be really good at fluid dynamics work, how they work and don't know a dang thing about electronics, but you have to know both of them this day and age because you got to fool both of them. You so if you do one thing, you're like, okay, well, it's like there's a pressure switch on down line. And if I if I override this circuit and put fluid there, it's gonna see it in this pressure switch, which throws a check engine light and throws it in the lint mode, and then you got people calling, or you're having to do a custom tuning revision. So we ha- it's it's not easy. <laughs> um we have to go through and study. I mean, I think we have pretty much got every circuit memorized by now in 68 channel plate and pump assembly it's it's been many hours of uh, studying to get what we wanted and we still have hydraulic fluid flow diagrams pulled up when we do stuff just just to make sure we are on the right track because there's so much that goes through your head to design something just so something that seems so small uh in your head is something so huge in the end it sends you down this huge rabbit hole but each one of these things like we're doing you know we we talked about uh the low reverse clutch on throughout first year um getting that timing down from you know your low reverse clutch coming off to your 2c clutch coming on for second uh was all these are stepping stones to where we want to be in the end um having you know the capabilities of doing full lock shifts what are we going to break where's the weak points what are we going to see fail you know that's what that's the only way we're ever going to progress these transmissions is to get them. in those guys that are a thousand to 1500 horsepower, full weight. um, And being able to find these weak links. So we, as companies can say, okay, this will be a demand, you know, as emissions on tuning grows and we're say a thousand horsepower with DPFs on, and we're making these torque monsters of a truck like, what are we doing for transmissions? Then Um, we have to be able to test them now and get those failure points down to where we can say, okay, well, this is something that's, you know, is worth investing time into. Uh, We need to, you know, build a build output shaft, which there, I think RevMax is actually working on a 68 RFE build output shaft. Um, You know, we have to start breaking these things more and more as a company and as like, you know people that we deal with every day um to to actually get it to evolve to say like the forty seven forty eight platform where everybody wants to run it because it's it's reliable it'll hold 2000 horsepower pretty easy and you know it just flat out works um to get the 68 that way it hasn't been like oh okay that looks like a weak link no it's been like okay that thing just shattered and this case is <laughs> completely trash, <laughs> and we need to start over. Don't no, we need to fix that? You know, it's and the, but like, as racers, we understand it. You know, that's how we have progressed. We've blown blocks completely in half. We've, you know, I mean, just completely destroyed things, and we found out why. And you know, that's how the deck plate engine evolved. You know, it's like. Now everybody and their brother has a deck plate engine. Now we're going to aluminum engines. I can tell you right now, the aluminum engines weren't what they should have been when they came out, you know? They are uh, amazing units now. They've they've come so far in the racing world. You know, the, the failures that we used to see aren't even a thing anymore um, on the aluminum engine side. So, you know, we I see a lot of people on our Facebook going, yeah, it's going to be this, just call it the, the shaft breaker 1000 and, you know, this and that. And it's like, well, you know, we kind of, we kind of purposely, um, you know, want to put the strain on these things, um, with full lock shifts, where's the limitation at, where can we tell people, Hey, this thing needs to be at billet, you know, at this power level, this weight, we definitely, you definitely cannot uh, exceed this, you know, limitation. We're writing the book, you know, and without the book you're kind of just shooting in the dark so without these small stepping stones that we're doing you know we we don't really know um, where our limitations are and the state's here to stay for a little bit you know it's it's in trucks that are from 2007 to current it's not something that's going to be going away anytime soon so the faster we get down to you know what's what's the weak link where is its absolute breaking point um, when can we not go any further uh we like that's that's my vision with it is where where's it stop you know is it another 47 48 re possibly um not with six gears i can tell you that but it's it's definitely very possible to be the next 47 48 re and uh, it's not going to be easy it's not going to be cheap and it has taken i would need to see how many hours of studying this thing but it's definitely uh it will it will be there i I have faith in it
1: that's the part about the transmission side of the diesel podcast that i love to follow and, and and chat about because you mentioned a lot of things there that are really true I mean, we were just talking about a turbo 400 and in 2023 people are running them you know the 47 48s you know came out in the late well 47s in the You know, late nineties and they're in race trucks now and the 68 is kind of the same thing. And so you have to think ahead with what are people going to want? What are they going to need? And I like the approach of making things as tuneless as possible because that was always an issue because normally people would do tuning first and then your transmission breaks. You want a transmission and you have to change your tuning. And that whole side of the diesel industry has changed drastically. And so I think, you know, what you can do as a builder, you know, and with the unit itself, it just streamlines it, you know, so well. And, you know, the other part that you mentioned that I I really, um, I was just thinking about that is so true, was about emissions on tuning. I think in the past of how things used to be with the newer trucks and, and making 600, 700, 800 horsepower is pretty easy. And you go look for a built 68 RFE and there's, you know, these different levels where, um, you know, if, if you run this thousand horsepower unit or 900 or whatever it was rated for, maybe it's not good for daily driving. Maybe you're pushing that entry level one a little bit too far. And I think on the tuning side and the emissions on stuff is it sort of reset it. And then now it's catching up so quick to where, trucks are making 600 horsepower a little bit more maybe vastly more i'm not sure with all these things on so is it far-fetched to think in a few years they could be at seven or 800 or 850 and you know like you're investing the time into a 68 rfe and, and, and other transmissions so when that happens you guys are ready and it's there it's not like you got to spend five years trying to figure it out you know in the future so you can really capitalize at that time
0: mm-hmm. yeah it's definitely you definitely have to look at the future and what uh you know i get a, get a lot of messages about the uh the as69 um i was joking with some of my trans buddies the other day and they're like man what are you gonna do with me you're done with the 68 like, you know that's a good idea i don't know where i'm going next you know i don't know what i'm gonna like put all of my thought into um i don't know when i'll be done with it honestly i i you know, is it going to be a daisy chain? Is, is the whole thing going to be billet by the time I'm done? I don't, I don't know. I'll, I will know probably within the next year or so. <laughs> um, but like the AS69, it's like, man, it's, it's a, it's an awesome trance. The best I can explain it is, you know, it's an Allison 1000 and a Dodge version. It's super slow shifting. Uh, you know, um, it's, it's very odd. Like it's not consistent shifting. If you pulled your trailer for a week straight, um, it shifts really good. Uh, and then you go drive it to church and it's gonna be um, slamming gears until it learns it. And then it's gonna start flaring shifts when you go back to pulling your trailer, you know? And it's, it's like without the tuning capabilities, which as of right now, the 69 has no tuning capabilities. We're relying, excuse me, on um you know factory TCM calibrations. We're seeing trucks at six to seven hundred horse pretty fairly often, you know. We've got drop-in turbos that are making 750 horsepower easily. Um it, it, like until that tuning market opens up, unless somebody comes out with some sort of standalone TCM to start getting those shifts more consistent and stuff like that you know we're we're at a standstill with it really i mean we can make it as beefy as we want inside but if we can't get it consistently shift evenly every time and learn faster and and get those shifts nice and crisp and clean and i mean you're you know you're not going to want to drive around a truck that your buddy goes shifting okay it's like oh yeah no it's it's fine you know programs it well no it's not it's not how it's supposed to be you know it's, every time it does a flare shift it's not good um you know so i you know is that 69 going to stay around i don't know like it, it's kind of a you know this the um as 68 rc which was like in cabin chassis trucks from uh the six seven start so the 2007 to i think it was 2012 out of 68 rc rc as art 68 rc um like you don't even like we get calls maybe once every three months. Hey man, you build a 68? I'm like, yeah, we do tons of 68. So I'm like, oh, it's in a cabin chassis. It's like, uh no, nope, we don't. And I don't know if, if anybody is really doing any of those. The problem with it is you can't get any parts for them. And if you can get the parts for them, it's actually more expensive to buy the parts than it is to buy a reman unit from a bar and throw it in the truck. So super weird. I just wonder if the 69 is going the same way, you know, it's not, yeah. it's not a super, super common trans. Do I want to spend my time on it? I, I don't know. Is it here to stay? You tell you know, you tell me like as a Dodge person, I would, I, you know, if it's going to be here to stay, sure. We'll, we'll dig in. We'll make it, you know, we'll make it happen. But, um, you know, I, I'm not sure if it is or not, you know, I hear a lot of talk about, know, ZF coming in really soon and, and starting maybe an eight speed or 10 speed style, you know, like the Ford and Chevys went, um, just hate to invest time into something that was a three or four year span. And, you know, you have, you don't have that future. Um, so it's, it kind of sucks for the 69 guys, you know, they were persuaded to go that heavy duty with a PTO option, um, in the 69 RC and, a lot of them out there are great units, you know, it's it's the people that don't have consistent driving habits. You know, hey, I'm pulling my my boat to Tennessee. Yeah, it's probably gonna shift a little goofy halfway there. By the time we're halfway there, it's probably gonna be okay. Um if you can't put up with that, you probably ought to give something with something else because the 69 is super slow it seemed like to learn and they're super slow shifting. They'll never be made for power. It just you know, just kind of like, the, I say like the Allison, I'm sure there's been some guys out there that's been, been fairly fast with an Allison transmission. Um, it's just, it's a lot of weight. It's a lot of, it's a lot of rotating mass to start and stop. Uh, uh, it's just, it's, it, it's not, it's doable, but it's not, it's not ideal at all. Um, You know, it was, it was like a dump truck transmission. You know, I got one in my tow rig. I love it. I absolutely love that thing. It, it has 350,000 miles on the factory Allison 1000. It works great. It doesn't miss a beat, you know, great unit. It will never, it will never be that, um, high horsepower, go fast style trains. It's just way good for what it is for. And that's it. So kind of looking at that 69 like the same way
1: yeah well i was just thinking when you mentioned it is i see whenever we do a transmission episode usually there's a comment on youtube um or instagram or something where a guy has one of them and he, he says hey can you do an episode about what's out there and it's always been really tough because there really isn't there isn't tuning for it and then what you mentioned it's you know it's in the specific models of trucks and how many of those are really pushing the power envelope or being turned into something that's going to the drag strip a lot so then you know you take yourself yeah you know, you're gonna pull yourself off of 68 development or um you know the 48 hybrid you talked about for the limited number that are out there it's just really it's really tough i've i've driven one i mean i it, it, the way i've always thought about it, if i was just going to have a truck and leave it relatively stockish i'd probably go with the asin route um but <laughs> it's just really hard to kind of get the aftermarket going and 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 invest the time into it because like you said is it going to be around or is there going to be an eight or ten speed here pretty soon and then it's this you know kind of short window with limited number of trucks out there and um i know it's tough and guys that have those trucks don't want to hear that but um yeah it's it's just it's really tough when there's not a lot of support for it and i understand why Mm -hmm. yeah exactly Mm -hmm. i
0: mean just think about like you know one one say like one unit that we concentrate on, we try to do, say a lockup module, you know, that's, that's, that can be six figures really fast, you know, of development of time, material, money, um, failures, you know, fixes, like, it's just, it's not cheap to go out and say, okay, I'm gonna wake up today and we're going to do this. Well, it, it takes time. It takes a lot of money. And to invest in something you have to know that it will be something that is wanted or you know it's it's just not it's as a in a business aspect it has to have a return on our investment or it's not worth our time we could go to ten thousand other different things and and invest time you know so that's kind of i think i feel like that's where that 69 sits and it sucks to turn people away um from us we just Until we can open that uh, void up, we just can't, you know, we can do everything everybody else is doing, put some heavy duty parts in there, but it's not really fixing, in my opinion, the the root problem. Um, Sure, it'll, you know, it'll hold more power. It, uh, you know, it'll probably last longer because the added clutches and stuff like that. But, you know, excuse me, um, it's it's a controller issue that we have no, absolutely no control as of now, you know, maybe HP Tuners is working on that. I've, I've heard through the grapevine. That's a possibility. Once that's released, I feel like you're going to see a lot of people, you know, having a lot of cool stuff for the 69. It's just getting there. A um, little secret about the 69 is it is a captive clutch um, setup. And it's uh, it's just like the Turbo 400 on the, on the torque converter control is an awesome unit so it's a 6r 140 um everybody's kind of going to that you know that style of lockup circuitry now um so it's it's definitely a a beefy unit has got huge shafts it's got really good planetaries um there were some things they like you said earlier you know that i feel like they just said okay we're gonna rate this like maybe three horsepower over yeah. <laughs> this truck actually makes and so when they if they make a you know put a cannon air filter on it's probably gonna right there but you know they'll be back <laughs> um <laughs> you know there's always them them little parts you know whether it's in a uh, a fuel system or a transmission or an engine i feel like they always the one engineer just throws that one little piece <laughs> in there um so i mean you know there's always going to be that but i like you said you know if, if you're Using it as a workhorse, uh, fairly stock. You know, I don't. I don't think it's a bad trance. It's just most people nowadays they get a diesel and they're like, oh, I can get 600 horse out of this thing, like fairly easy. Like, well, yeah. Well, you know, that trans is this probably has limitations like on the on on the way it learns and the way it shifts. And you know, 600 horse is quite a bit for that trans. Um, don't get me wrong. I'm sure there's people out there. Well, I've seen people with 1,000 horsepower absolutely i'm not saying it can't be done um it's just not as easy or as common or as good as what it can
1: be for sure i know there's you guys do a really great job on social media posting updates and cool new things that you guys have where and i definitely want to make sure people are listening that you know are interested in transmission they go follow you guys how do they find you guys on instagram or um you know your website to be able to see you know the new 68 stuff or where they got questions um like there was a a listener that had messaged in um that i connected with you guys about you know some things that he wanted and and uh i think it it helps when they jump on your site or can message in because you guys do an awesome job and just keeping us updated and you know, like I saw the valve body stuff that you'd mentioned. I go, Oh, this is cool. I need to ask Ethan about that. <laughs> I need to ask him about yeah. this to see what's going on with it.
0: <laughs> yep. So, um, you know, Facebook is, is probably our current platform that we really are on a lot. Um, that's probably more my fault. I, I'm a Facebook guy. We do have Instagram. Uh, they're all the WP developments. Um, and don't forget the S at the end. Um, if you want to email and talk to me, oh, that's a great option. My computer screen and it's 65 inches. It's right by my build station. Um, I check it very often throughout the day. Um, it's almost about like texting me. Honestly. <laughs> um, my email is Ethan at WP developments.com. Um, we also have like a sales app and we have an info app. So, there's plenty of emails you can get. You can get a hold of me or somebody on the crew. They'll they'll get you uh, redirected my way. Um, and my my cell phone number you can call and text um, within business hours. If you message me after business hours, it'll probably be the following day or or Monday if it's on weekend. Um, but it is seven six five five six zero eight871 and that that's a that's a, the main line to get a hold of anybody here so yeah if we can help any of you out if you have questions email or text or um, if you're interested in a product we have a website it is uh, www.wp-developments.com uh, and it uh, it has most of our products on it I won't say it has all of them on it um, it's, it takes so much time to load all that stuff and oh, yeah. the prices and, and we're so busy and racing season seems so far away but yet it's not you know so we're we have the uh the motor completely out of the drag truck right now, and we're going aftermarket ECU and stuff like that. So, um, we're super busy. Our free time is super busy. So, refreshing everything, getting ready for the race season.
1: Well, it's always awesome to chat with you, and I really love the approach that you guys take as a company to providing transmission solutions. And it gives me hope for the future of you know, thinking out five years or maybe even longer, what's going to be out there. So I, I think you guys are doing a really awesome job and providing, you know, a, a, a transmission platform, well, multiple ones that, you know, regardless of what power level we're at, there's going to be a solution for it. So I, uh, I encourage everybody to you know, follow you guys, check it out. I'm always doing it and you guys release a ton of stuff, um, and really cool things that I think are cutting edge in the transmission market. So keep it up and, uh, yeah, I'll definitely uh, you know be looking forward to seeing what you guys release and like race season and everything else coming up here. I'm sure we'll chat again and talk about some more transmission stuff. And I'll definitely learn more and then have probably even more questions <laughs> at the end of the episode <laughs> than I did at the beginning. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, we really appreciate you guys as well. And uh, um, we hope to be back sometime soon.
1: Don't forget diesel fans. Make sure and head on over to kershaw.kaiusa.com. Use code 20diesel for 20% off site-wide. It's a great way to save some money on a knife, whether you need something for EDC or hunting, fishing, um, something around the house. They've got options for really any budget, um, or if you're an enthusiast and, you know, love different types of blade steels, handle materials, opening mechanisms. They've got something for everybody, and it's a great way to save some money on a really cool knife, some really quality gear. So we appreciate our friends over there offering that to you guys. Also want to give a shout out to some of our Patreon supporters, Tyler Lowe and a 23 Diesel, Caleb, John, all of you who are on Patreon, uh, follow us on YouTube. Instagram, Facebook, podcast apps. We appreciate your support here in Year 7. Look forward to being able to deliver a lot of really cool shows in 2023, and it's because of you guys. So keep the suggestions coming. Um, you know, keep asking us questions. Um, you know, Let us know if there's a guest or topic you want. We thrive off of your guys' feedback, and look forward to bringing you some awesome podcasts here this year. Until next time, keep the shiny side up.